Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your word and we thank you for the words of this prophet Isaiah that have been preserved for us so carefully by the Jews for centuries and then cared for us by scribes after uh, the New Testament began and retained for us today. Lord, we, we are really privileged to have these words before us that are not just Isaiah's words, but they're your words, O oh Lord. Help us to be able to feed upon them now, meditate upon them and help us to not just have this in our mind, what Isaiah said, but may it touch our hearts. May we be changed and transformed as we look into your word together this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm not someone who likes driving all that much. I'm someone who thinks of a car as somewhere to get from A to B and it's not particularly meant to be an enjoyable journey on the road. But there are some journeys that are good and they're the ones where there are long trips to a holiday destination. I really, there's something about sitting down and knowing you've got uh, a 10 hour trip ahead of you, you may break it up over a couple of days, but knowing that you've got this long road trip ahead of you. I think one of the attractions for me is that I can eat fast food on the road. It is one of those few times where I'm permitted these days. Before I got married, I ate fast food a lot. But on the road, it's expected you'll pull over to McDonald's and Hungry Jack's and be able to feed there for your lunch. Um, it's expected. And then you have munchies in the car as well and you get to listen to music and even uh, we listen to audio books on long trips as well and so um, they're quite entertaining. Uh, when we went to Melbourne, uh, we, what did we listen to? Huckleberry Finn. Uh, excellent um, book. Uh, I don't think I'd read it before. I've read Tom Sawyer but Huckleberry Finn. And so it was an enjoyable trip. But what makes a long trip also exciting is of course the destination. It's somewhere distant from you and it's meant to be exciting, that's why you're going there. And so that's what makes some journeys fun, is the destination that you're going to. If it's somewhere really good, you don't mind driving there. And Isaiah is talking here in chapter 2 about a road trip, about going somewhere, about a destination and why you would want to go there. And that's what I want to look at this morning as we look at Isaiah 2 together. What is this destination that Isaiah wants us to road trip to? What is this destination? Where are we going? And so my first main point this morning as we look at Isaiah chapter 2 is Jerusalem is the ultimate destination. Jerusalem is the ultimate destination. Why? Well, Isaiah gives us some reasons as to why we should be heading to Jerusalem. He says in verse 2, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. It is the ultimate destination because it will be shown to be chief among the mountains. Mount Zion was a, a small mountain. It wasn't as tall as some of the mountains in the area, but it will be shown to be the greatest of all the mountains, even though it is a small one. Mountains in in the time of, uh, of, of Isaiah and throughout much of history have been associated with sacred places. And uh, that's because as you go up a mountain you're getting closer and closer to heaven and so the higher the mountain the more sacred is generally the site. And so often sacred places were built on top of mountains because you were getting closer to God. And so Jerusalem here is associated with a sacred place because it is a mountain. But it's a low mountain but Isaiah says it's still 
the ultimate one because it will be raised above all the other mountains, above all the other sacred sites. It will be shown to be superior. And so then, of course, it is shown to be above all other gods, all other holy places that are made. Jerusalem is shown to be the greatest. What's another reason why Jerusalem is the ultimate destination? Well, everyone will stream to it. It says there in verse 2, and it will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. All nations are going there. And that's a good thing. We like to welcome all nations to something. We don't ostracise or or be racist towards certain uh, groups, ethnic groups. That seem to be bad. And it is a bad thing. But here the mountain of the Lord doesn't say only certain nations are welcome. No, Jerusalem is a place where all nations are welcome. And not just a few people from every nation. It says, verse 3, many peoples. Lots of people are going. And that's a good thing as well. If you show up to a party and there's hardly anyone there, it's seen to be a bit of a bad party. A party means lots of people. You're going to have a lot of people there and it's a good party if lots of people there enjoying being with one another. And Jerusalem is therefore the ultimate destination. It's like going uh, for a road trip somewhere and there's going to be lots of people on the road heading there and there's going to be lots of people there and you're all going to be united in enjoying the place that you're going and whatever experience you are having there. Like if you go to a rock concert, uh, it's great when there's lots of people there all singing along to the tune uh, together and you really enjoy yourself there. And that's why Jerusalem is a great destination. It's not just for a couple of people from all nations. It's for many peoples from all nations. And the people go miraculously towards it. It's an incredible thing there. It says in verse 2, it will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. It's unusual for a stream to go up a mountain. It's not the natural thing that occurs. But here we have people going against the grain, doing something very miraculous in going up a mountain as waters would go up a mountain. And that shows that it's a great destination. It attracts people in even though they may not be naturally inclined to go there. kind of reminds me of that uh, Kevin Costner movie. I love Kevin Costner movies, Field of Dreams, you know, where he has a, a field and he decides to level it and build a baseball pitch there in the middle of nowhere. And all through the movie it says, if you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. People will come. And it's against the grain for them to come to a a, a field in the middle of nowhere for baseball. And that's what's happening here with the mountain of the Lord. People are coming to it even though it's not natural. So it must be a really good thing if people are being uh, subdued, their wills are being subdued and they're going towards this mountain against the grain. What's another reason why Jerusalem is the ultimate destination? Well, Verse uh, 3 tells us that this is where God speaks. This is what makes it so wonderful. Verse 3, many peoples will come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He teaches there. That's what's so wonderful about this mountain. He teaches and it's effective teaching. Notice it says, he will teach us his ways, not just teach, but for a purpose, 
so that we may walk in his paths. The teaching there is effective. It's not some sort of boring teaching that really doesn't take on any effect or or role in your life. It brings an effect. You walk in his paths as a result. The law is there. The law is a good thing. It's good to know the laws of the land so you know what is right and what is the best thing that you can be doing. We often have this perception that law is a bad thing. Law is a good thing and here it is found at Jerusalem. And the word of the Lord goes out from Jerusalem as well, it says there at the end of verse 3. This is not just any word, any teaching. This is God's word that is contained at Jerusalem. And then another reason, the last reason that Isaiah gives as to why Jerusalem is a good destination is because of the peace that is found there. Verse 4. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into ploughshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war any more. Jerusalem will be a place of peace where God settles disputes. He is the judge there. And people don't need swords. They turn them into farming implements. They don't need their spears. They turn them into pruning hooks. And nation takes up sword against nation no more. There's no need for swords because they aren't taking them up. And notice what they don't do. They don't start farming for a while, but keep in mind that they're going to be in war later on. It says there at the end of verse 4, nor will they train for war anymore. War isn't going to be in the future either. It's not there presently. It's not in the future at all. And so instead of training for war, they're getting taught from God's word as to how to walk in his paths. So there's an opposite there. In verse 3 it's talking about teaching and then in verse 4 it's talking about another kind of teaching that the new teaching has replaced. The teaching about how to fight with one another is replaced with teaching from God. So Jerusalem is the ultimate destination in Isaiah's eyes. But when are you supposed to go to Jerusalem? When are you supposed to make this road trip to Jerusalem as the ultimate destination. Well, Isaiah isn't saying that it happens in his day. When does he say it happens? Verse 2, he opens up, in the last days. It isn't happening in Isaiah's day, it's happening in the last days. So when is the last days? When are we meant to make the road trip to Jerusalem? Well, my second main point is an answer to this. It says, my second main point, Jerusalem has been, is being and will be established as chief. It may have been in the future for Isaiah, but it's been in our past established as chief. It's currently being established as chief and it will be established as chief. Now how is that so? How is it in the past? How is it currently? And how is it in the future? Well, It was fulfilled literally, this prophecy of Isaiah, with Jesus and the apostles. Where did Jesus choose to come into the world? Did he choose Sydney, Australia as the birthplace of God himself? No, he chose Jerusalem. He came there to be born, to live and to die. And he chose there to teach his disciples about God and about Christianity and he chose that place 
as the starting point for Christianity, that it would spread out from there. The apostles there at Pentecost are in Jerusalem and it starts there that they start to teach people about Christianity. And so we see the fulfilment, literally, of Jerusalem being established as chief with Jesus and the apostles. We see people going to Jerusalem saying, come let us go, we will be taught about his ways, we will uh, walk in his paths as a result. The law comes out from Zion, from Jerusalem. The law now is repent and believe in Jesus Christ. That's the command that we are given from God to do. That's the law that he sends. It goes out from Zion and out uh, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And peace happens as Christianity comes through Jesus Christ and the apostles there in Jerusalem. One of the big messages of Acts is that Jews and Gentiles who were previously hostile towards one another, two nations or two people groups that were hostile, are now at peace together in Christianity. The Gentiles are welcome to Christianity and the Jews are welcome to be a part of Christianity. And so now there is a peace between them. They're not taking up swords against one another. They're uniting, eating together rather than separating from one another when they have their meals. One of the points that uh, Peter um, finds with Cornelius, the, the Gentile in Acts, is that he is going to eat with these people and then he gets abused for it when he comes back to the other apostles. They say, we heard you ate with Gentiles. But no, Christianity is not about separating nations anymore. We join together and we don't take up swords against one another or train for warring against one another as different nations. So that's how it's fulfilled literally in, with Jesus and the apostles. But it's also fulfilled symbolically in two ways. One is in the past and the other is, uh, is current as well that it's fulfilled, this prophecy of Jesus, uh, of Isaiah here. Jerusalem became established as chief with Jesus himself becoming Jerusalem itself, becoming the new temple. What makes Jerusalem so wonderful here? What, why, why is it is seen to be great here? Well, it's because God has chosen to put his temple there. Verse 2, in the last days the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established. The mountain is great because the Lord's temple is there. And then in verse 3, many peoples will come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob. The Lord's temple was there. That's what makes Jerusalem so wonderful. Is the Lord's temple still there? Where is the Lord's temple today? Well, Jesus is the Lord's temple. That is one of the messages of the New Testament is that no longer you worship in a physical location at Jerusalem, but you worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. He is the new temple. And so Jesus himself fulfills many of these prophecies about Jerusalem. He fulfills them. What happens? Jesus teaches us as was meant to happen at the mountain of the Lord. The word of God comes straight out of Jesus' mouth. He is the new temple. He proclaims God's word. He is the one who settles disputes. He is the great uh, prince of peace bringing nations together. He is the temple of the Lord. And then the other way that this is fulfilled is through the temple as Christ's church. Jesus is the temple in Christianity 
but we as the church are also Jerusalem. We are the temple of God. And so what we see happen here in Isaiah is performed in the church, in God's temple made up of men and women as believers in Christ. As we meet together, we see these things fulfilled. We see people saying, come up to the mountain of the Lord, come to church, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways at church so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from his church. The word of the Lord from his church. At his church he judges between the nations. There is peace also in the church. I mean there's a lot of strife and factions. We see that in the early church. There's disputes that come into the church from time to time. But when people are following faithfully after Jesus Christ there is a peace that is known between believers that is unusual, that should stand out from other groups of people. When people gather in Christ's name there is a peace that is known that isn't known at other gatherings. There is not sword taken up against other people. There is not a training for war against people in the church. There should be an encouragement to be peace with one another. So that's past was Jesus. Present is the church and Jesus. What's the future prophecy? How is this filled in the future? Well, it's not fulfilled completely. As I said before, there is still disputes, there is still strife between the people of God. They're still not trained, for, uh, trained in God's word as, as well as we would like to be. We don't walk in his paths as well as we would like to. And so it isn't fulfilled completely. And that's why we look forward to the new Jerusalem. What is the new Jerusalem that we're taught about in the New Testament? Well, it's heaven itself. We keep our eyes fixed on heaven where this will be fulfilled to the very letter, where we will be taught about God and continue walking in his paths day by day, where there will be true peace, where we will not be, there will be no need for swords whatsoever in heaven. There will be no training for war because there will be no disputes, no sin there in heaven. And so we look forward to the last days that are last for eternity where we see this prophecy fulfilled into the very letter in Jeru- the new Jerusalem in heaven. So what are you to do? How do you road trip to Jerusalem? How do you make the road trip there? Well, you look at at Jerusalem. You look back at Jerusalem in the past. You look at the Jerusalem today and you look forward to the new Jerusalem. How do you look backward? Well, you look back at the Jerusalem of Jesus and the early church, the apostles there. And how do you do that? Well, you hit the road by reading his word by reading about Jesus Christ, reading about the early church, about the new Jerusalem that is Jesus, the new Jerusalem that is the early church, so that you can find out how you begin walking in the paths of the Lord. That's what the teaching is there. It says he will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. And that's what we find when we read God's word. We read about Jesus and how to begin the path 
to the New Jerusalem and we find out how to continue on that path to the New Jerusalem. And we also, when we look back by reading God's word, we can also look forward by reading God's word. What are we meant to look forward to? The New Jerusalem, heaven. How do we find out about heaven? Do we just sort of have a brainstorm, a think tank about what heaven will be? No, we look into God's word and we find out from God's word what we are heading to, to encourage us to continue walking that path to the New Jerusalem. The Bible is so valuable to the Christian. It tells us about the Jerusalem that was fulfilled in the past and it tells us about the Jerusalem that we are heading to. We should love the word of God because it tells us about Jerusalem, because it tells us about how we can stay on that path. Do you love the word of God? Do you read it day by day, meditate upon it, memorise it? How much do you love God's word because it tells you about Jerusalem? I read a story this week about a man who evidently loved God's word very much and I thought it would be good to share it with you. It says, There was a man who was severely injured in an explosion. His face was badly disfigured and he lost his eyesight as well as both hands. So his face is disfigured, he's lost his eyesight and he's lost both hands in an explosion. He had just become a Christian when the accident happened and one of his greatest disappointments was that he could no longer read the Bible. Then he heard about a lady in England who read Braille with her lips. Hoping to do the same, he sent for some books of the Bible in Braille but he discovered that the nerve endings in his lips had been too badly damaged to distinguish the characters. One day, as he brought one of the Braille pages to his lips, his tongue happened to touch a few of the raised characters and he could feel them. Like a flash, he thought, I can read the Bible using my tongue. And at the time this story was recorded, the man had read through the entire Bible four times with his tongue. He loved God's word so much that when he lost his eyes, when he lost his lips, when he lost his hands, he still read it with what was left, his tongue. He licked his way through the Bible so that he could be reminded of the Jerusalem that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the Jerusalem that is fulfilled in the early church and the Jerusalem that he is heading Would that be you? If you lost your hands, your lips, your eyes, would you love the Bible so much that you would want to read it with your tongue? We should be like that. The Bible is so valuable to us. It equips us as we go on the road trip to Jerusalem. So we look back through the word at the fulfilment in Jesus and the church and we look forward to the new Jerusalem by reading the word but I also said we look around as we road trip to Jerusalem. We look around at the local Jerusalem that is our local church. We are Jerusalem here in Dremoyne. We gather here week by week as part of Jerusalem, as a fulfilment of this prophecy and so I encourage you 
make sure you're taking advantage of road tripping to Jerusalem by driving to your local church each Sunday and being part of the fellowship gathered there. Being part of the fellowship as you learn from God's word, as we see fulfilled in the prophecy of Isaiah, we, we try and encourage that here at Dremoyne Baptist, that we're taught uh, from God's word, as it says here, should happen at Jerusalem, and that disputes are settled here, that we know peace between believers. That's what happens at the local church. We encourage one another to walk the path together as we walk towards the new Jerusalem of heaven. So you look around you at the people gathered and what else should you do as you road trip? Well, you look around at the people who are not just Christians but also non-Christians and you encourage them to come with you to Jerusalem. That's what's happening here in Isaiah. What does it say in verse 3? Many peoples will come and say, come, exhort people, they will come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob. We're supposed to be drawing other people in to go to the Jerusalem with us. And we see Isaiah do it at the end of this passage, verse 5. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. He's encouraging people to get on the journey with them. And that's what makes road trips often so fun, is when you bring people along with you on the trip. People who you may not have intended to. Uh, you know, when people go on their own overseas and they, do, uh, they get on some sort of tour bus, why are they getting on the bus with other people? Because they want to gather in other people with them as they go on the trip together and make friends. We should be gathering people to go where we are headed if we truly believe that this is the best place to go. Is Jerusalem the ultimate destination in your eyes? Well, if it is, then you should be recommending it to everyone. You should be the greatest real estate, uh, not real estate, travel agent around. We are travel agents for God, saying Jerusalem is the best place. Why don't you come to the Jerusalem that is here, gathered week by week in Dremoyne, and come with us to the heavenly Jerusalem and meet the new Jerusalem that is Jesus Christ. We've got Jerusalems to recommend to everyone. Are you doing so as a Christian? Or are you just tripping along with other Christians and not exhorting other people to come with you? And if you're not a Christian here this morning, let me then take this opportunity to recommend you come with us. Do you know where we are headed as Christians? We are headed to a place of peace and prosperity where there are no more swords made, there is no more training for war, We are headed to a wonderful place where God teaches us and we walk in his paths. There is no more sin there. Will you come with us this morning? Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord to the new Jerusalem together. Do so this morning. Don't delay. Repent and believe in Jesus Christ. That is all you need to do to have a ticket to the new Jerusalem. Repent of your sins. Believe in Jesus Christ as the payment for your sins and you have that ticket that gets you into the new Jerusalem. If you don't, let me encourage you to get it today. Get it right now. Let us speak with him now. Heavenly Father,
we thank you that Jerusalem is the ultimate destination, that it is raised above all other sacred places because it is your place, O God. And all nations are welcome to it and many peoples have flocked to it over the centuries, Lord. Lord, we thank you that the new Jerusalem is there in Jesus Christ. He is the new temple and we are part of the new temple with him as our foundation. Lord, help us to continue streaming to that new Jerusalem in heaven as well. Help us to exhort others to stay on the path, to train each other in the light of the Lord and help us to welcome new people along. May we fear for the souls of those who are not walking towards Jerusalem. May we be touched by a real sympathy for where they are headed. And may we say to them, come, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let us go there together. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.